Welcome back to Capital Ideas. This is where we sit down with members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives to give listeners an inside look at important aspects of how their citizen legislature works and who and what it's working for. Today's conversation is a return visit with Representative Monica Stonier of Vancouver, USA. Folks in Washington's 17th Legislative District sent her to Olympia as a freshman in 2013, and we talked with her a week before she was sworn in for that first day as a lawmaker. She promised then to come back and give us a report on her experiences, and that's what you're about to hear. First, a quick bio. Representative Stonier spent a decade as a middle school language arts and social studies teacher before becoming a teaching coach. That education background helped her become vice chair of the House Education Committee, and she's also a member of the Capital Budget Committee and the House panel responsible for technology and economic development. Welcome, Representative Monica Stonier. It's a real pleasure to speak with you again. Thank you for having me. It's always great to have an opportunity to come let folks know what the inside of Olympia can look like. Last time we spoke on the record was about 18 months ago. You were a week away from being sworn in as a freshman state representative. Looking back, how did what took place shape up against what you had in mind when you showed up there and, and said, yes, I promise to be a good lawmaker? I think that being new to the legislature and to elected office altogether, literally walking out of my middle school and into the Capitol building uh, that first January, I expected that there would be a lot to learn, and that was absolutely true. But I kind of also expected that maybe there would be a lot of work that's already underway. And I was pleasantly surprised to discover in my first uh, term that somebody who's hardworking and and really feels like the things they're trying to accomplish are quite meaningful for the district has a lot of room to kind of grow and learn and and be productive. And because I was pleasantly surprised uh, by that, I I was uh, excited to see that we were able to accomplish quite a bit in even one of the more difficult political settings, given the extra sessions and the tension between the chambers at times. You mentioned hard work, and you hit the ground running in a session in which education, and specifically education funding, tended to dominate almost every conversation in almost every committee. Talk a little bit about that based on your background as an educator and as the brand new vice chair of the House Education Committee. The reason I wanted this job in the first place was because I believe the answer to all of the problems our communities face are uh, in the classrooms today. And uh, watching students kind of grow up and go out into the world and, and working on those issues, it became more and more important to me to make sure our classrooms were a place where kids were thinking. And the emphasis is on what they are able to do with knowledge and skill rather than testing. So that has been my focus on the education committee. And as vice chair, I get to have uh, some influence over that. One of my priorities and one of my core beliefs that there should be multiple pathways for students to graduate on a path to either college or career is something that really came to light this last session. And I'm excited to continue working on that through the interim. 
I think that our schools need to meet the needs of, of all students as individuals rather than a one-size-fits-all. And when resources have been tight in the last couple of years, we've found that districts are um, grappling to figure out ways to provide individualized education for students. And, and I think that as we look at increased funding, we need to keep that in mind. It must have been a pretty heady feeling at one point during your first session to look at your hometown newspaper here, The Columbian, and see a headline that said that eight out of nine bills that you had sponsored had actually passed the House, which is nearly unheard of for any veteran legislator, but for a freshman, it's an astounding accomplishment. I think the paper reported that I had the the most uh, bills of, the fr- of all the freshmen pass out of the House. And I think the success comes from, you know, my personal belief that spending my time working on things that are actually viable is really important to me. And that means that I have to be willing to talk with folks from both parties and from both chambers to get a sense of what their ideas are and incorporate their concerns or questions in amendments along the way as we move through the process, because it's it would be frustrating to spend so much time working on something that I would know from the beginning wasn't going to go very far. And, and I think there may be our times, you know, to work on things that we think are important uh, in that way. But for, for my time personally, uh, I really try to make sure that there's a lot of buy-in as early on in the process as possible. I think that really contributed to that success rate. Uh, I also think that folks like to see their ideas reflected in the work that their legislators are doing. Some of the best ideas come from constituents when they call in or when they when they visit or email. In fact, one of the bills that I'm most proud of this past session was uh, House Bill 2700, which passed unanimously in the House and in the Senate and went on to be signed by the governor. And that bill will create a breast cancer awareness license plate in Washington state. The proceeds will go to pay for early screenings for those who are underinsured or for whatever reason don't have access to health care. And those screenings will very likely save lives in Washington state. So the constituents I've talked to and actually people all around the state are, are quite excited to see those license plates available in January. Let's talk about communicating with constituents. One of the things that you have done that is relatively new in Washington state is the telephone town hall. You've done one or two of these during your first two years, in addition to live in-person town halls here in your district. How effective are these telephone town halls? Is it a gimmick or is it really something that allows you to to do some give and take with the people that you work for? I, I really enjoy doing the teletown halls. I think it's very cost effective. It doesn't uh, cost a whole lot of money. We need to be more reflective of the way people get their information. Podcasts, websites, Facebook pages. These are new ways of communicating with folks, especially busy people like me. So I think that's really important. I've had that feedback from constituents as well. Even if they're not going to ask a question, they really appreciate being able to just listen in on their own time. It just gives them a a more personal access point, I think, to the person who's elected to represent them in Olympia. One of the most interesting, and, and certainly it was a unique moment during your first two years, was when you were being interviewed on a radio show with one of your Republican colleagues, and he proclaimed you to be one of the rising stars of the state legislature. I know that had to feel surprising and good. Norm was a a huge supporter and very excited about an idea that I brought forward after, again, talking with a constituent who was trying to figure out how to pay for college for her son. 
Uh, and, and this is a Washington Advanced Loan Program, which would be a state-based loan program specific to students who were in middle-income families and had fewer financial aid tools. Uh, we're talking about students that didn't qualify for the state need grant, but also couldn't afford to write a check for their tuition. We also talked about making sure we include students that did qualify for the state need grant, but were not being served because of the shortage. And it was also important to me to make sure that we weren't cutting into the funding for the state need grant. So we, we really spent a lot of time, folks from both sides of the aisle, from both the Senate and the House, and spent a lot of time actually talking to college students about how difficult it is to get through school when their funding is so inconsistent. I decided I should target it to an area where we know there's a job shortage and Washington State is depending on getting folks into those jobs as quickly as we can. So with all of that tailoring and work, uh, Norm Johnson is a Republican veteran legislator who became very excited about the idea and very much of a partner in, in working on this bill. And I was excited to be invited to spend a little time with him uh, on a radio show that he does pretty regularly. That was the idea he was talking about. We're anxious to get back to work on that one. That seems to be something that has characterized your first two years here is your ability and, in fact, your eagerness to work across the aisle, not worrying about who gets the credit for a given idea as long as it's a good idea and it helps the people of Washington. One of my frustrations is that people let things get in the way of the good work that should be happening. We see that play out in Washington, D.C., and it's incredibly frustrating for me as a citizen to watch. So I take that very personally, and, and, I, and I think it's important to make sure you're always talking with and fostering uh, good professional relationships with folks that can help get things done. There are some opportunities that come up, and I always try to take advantage of those. I know that when I'm talking to constituents, they're also very frustrated with when politics gets in the way of the good work that should be happening in Olympia. And again, I take that very seriously. My seatmate uh, from the other party and I had a live town hall, and we got a lot of positive feedback. It wasn't always comfortable because we don't agree on a lot, but there's a plenty that we do agree on, and we also felt that our district elected both of us and expect to see us working together and representing the district in a town hall together. I think they really appreciated and respected. The issues that are most important to me are not partisan issues. Education, job creation, making sure government is working efficiently and and is as streamlined as possible. Those are things that we all want. Those are not things that divide us. And they become very divisive when politics is at play. So, for example, there was an amendment on a Senate bill in the last hours of our our last term or our last session. And... I was quite proud that the support for, for an amendment that I'd been working on had the bulk of both parties behind it. And that to me meant that what we were working on was truly important to their constituents because there was no way to let politics get in the way of making sure kids had both college and career opportunities ahead of them after graduating from high school. That's something that I think the constituents in my district really appreciate. And I think it's something that we appreciate across the country and expect to see. Let's talk about something that is major to both parties and to every county in the state, particularly yours, and that is jobs and job creation. The recession hit Clark County pretty hard, and, and we were among the last to start seeing the beginning signs of recovery. 
And, and so we're still going to continue to struggle with that in the coming years. We, we have a couple of things that we do that, that really make a big difference for the jobs in this area. Number one, making sure we have a strong partnership with our Economic Development Council. They do a lot of outreach to businesses and, and look for uh, ways to bring those jobs to our county. And our newspaper recently reported um, an improvement in our, in our joblessness and listed a couple of companies that have decided to move to Clark County. So my strong relationship with the Economic Development Council here locally along the Columbia River gives me an opportunity to figure out what are the things the state can be doing to help with that work. So I'll continue that. We also have the capital budget. I sit on the capital budget as a, as a committee that I think is not only important for making sure we are providing infrastructure and services to our our communities, but also every capital budget represents thousands of jobs. And in my county, we would have seen a job increase or available jobs increase if we would have passed a a bill that the capital budget had. Our classrooms are overcrowded. There was a bill that would have increased our number of classrooms by building more classrooms and reduced by extension our class size. Those are two things that I think are really important. Fewer students in every classroom and jobs for the community. I think that bill represents the kind of work we should be doing. It passed the House with overwhelming bipartisan support. It was not a divisive partisan bill. It was something that most of us agreed from both sides of the aisle was what we needed to be doing for our communities. And it's unfortunate it didn't make it through the Senate. Uh, There's a lot that should have made it through the Senate that didn't, and we'll be working on that again in the future. What it means to me in terms of the improvement it would have made in this community I know that there are other legislators that feel the same way. That's the kind of thing that we need to get back to work on, and that's the kind of across-the-aisle work that that benefits uh, our communities. The McCleary decision by the Supreme Court essentially said that the state legislature's paramount duty is to fully fund basic education, and they laid out a timeline for accomplishing that. It's going to be tough to accomplish. There are a lot of things that we are doing really well in Washington State. For our kids. And there are a lot of things that need some improvements. Uh, we have passed a new teacher and principal evaluation program that is incredibly rigorous, uh, that takes a lot of time, and that is very student learning focused. Uh, I believe that that program is a good one, but I don't believe the legislature has funded the implementation of that program with fidelity. And and so that that is an example of the kinds of reforms or new legislation that gets passed with good intent, but without the funding, it falls flat. And then three years from now, we're going to be wondering what happened with this really great idea. So we have to remain committed to finding the funding for those things that we know will make a difference for student learning. And we also have to be listening to teachers, principals, school directors, and parents and students because they all have different perspectives about how that work in classrooms is going. And, and without recognizing their different perspectives and respecting that each of those voices is incredibly important. And for me personally, as a classroom teacher, I think the most important voice is, is that of the students because they are our customers in classrooms. They are very honest about what works and what doesn't work for them when they're given an opportunity to answer a question like that because they don't get asked very often. Um, so, so I spend some time talking with, with each of those stakeholders to find out what is it that you think is good for learning in the classroom and for post-secondary education opportunities and jobs later on down the road. McCleary 
is a mandate that we have to take seriously. But so is the responsibility of making sure that we fund the right things in the right way. Being vice chair on the House Education Committee gives me such a strong voice in weighing in on those issues. I'm really enjoying that work. I take it very personally uh, because I am still in touch with students who have um, not done well in our system and, and many who have done amazingly well. So I get to see those kids who fall through the cracks and I can almost put my finger on some of the things that the system didn't have in place for them. I also get to see kids that go on to amazing careers and I've you know, been at their weddings and held their babies and I'm watching them grow up in our community. I take it very seriously what we're doing in schools and making sure that we're doing it right. As a taxpayer myself, I also want to make sure that the money that we're putting into schools yields the result that I think is a good value for the tax dollars we put in. So I appreciate the opportunity to be a watchdog um, for, for that funding as well. I think that's a great way to end this podcast. But before we go, do you have any final words? No, I think I always appreciate an opportunity to talk about you know what should be happening in Olympia, um, what my work looks like in Olympia, and being able to talk about those things in a podcast and in a variety of other media outlets helps me learn about all the different ways I could be communicating, but also gives other folks a variety of ways to, to tap into what's going on in Olympia. Representative Monica Stonier, thank you very much for joining us today on Capital Ideas. Thank you. I look forward to our next chat. That's today's program. You can subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes or at housedemocrats.wa.gov, and I hope you will. After all, this is your state government, and the more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats. Thank you for listening.